Blog Talk Radio. For the next 90 minutes, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com. Begin. Send messages to the show on Twitter, at GoForItCant. And while you're there, on Twitter, at GoForGant. Make sure you give me a follow at GoForGant. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by one of the stars of Barbershop 3, the next cut. Actor Sean Patrick Thomas will be joining us, and he's going to be talking about his beloved Philadelphia Eagles who have been busy and you know with, with some of the trades they made. And also, he's going to discuss, of course, Barbershop 3 in theaters now. Also, NFL draft prospect, Colorado State University, Peblo, excuse me, can't even talk, running back, Cameron McDonald will be joining us. And he's going to talk about his preparation for the upcoming NFL draft. And also motivational speaker, William Hollis, will be joining us. He's going to talk about uh, you know, him as a motivational speaker at this point in his life and, you know, some of the things that he's doing, some of the great things that he's doing in the community. Let's get started right now with the NBA playoffs and what we saw last night. And it, it, it came out today that the NBA has stated that James Harden's game winner should not have counted. That was, in fact, an offensive foul. Well, you know, Brian Russell has just now petitioned the league. The Utah Jazz have just now petitioned the league. That part is a joke. But my point is, I mean, it, it, it's, I, I don't, maybe the call was, maybe it wasn't an offensive foul, but I think it's the type of call the superstars get. Michael Jordan's a superstar, and he got the call against Brian Russell. You know what I mean? And, and then you got a guy in, of course, James Harden, who's a superstar, obviously not on the level of Michael Jordan, but James Harden is a superstar in this league, you know, he's an MVP candidate. He was last season, I should say. But he he's done big things in this league and easily could have been the MVP last year. So my point is, when you look at uh, James Harden, he's obviously a superstar in this league. And, and those are the type of calls that superstars get. And, again, was it an offensive foul? Sure. They said it was. They confirmed that it was. Yeah, most definitely was an offensive foul. But it wasn't something that, you know, would you have been okay with the call not with, – with, what they did not making the call. Yeah, I was okay with them not making the call too. But, I, I mean, was it an offensive foul? Sure. It was. But we've seen it before. And those are the type of calls that superstars get away with. But I think the key part in, in talking about that series, it, it's not really, you know, who's going to win the series because ultimately we all know who's going to win the series. The Golden State Warriors are going to win the series. It's just a matter of when. Now, here's my concern. Obviously, you have the situation of Steph Curry and his ankle. 
And we all know Steph Curry earlier in his career had ankle issues, and that was one of the reasons Steph Curry took the contract that he took. I believe it was like four years, $44 million at the time. I mean, you're talking about like a, a, a big-time bargain, bargain for Steph Curry. I mean, an absolute bargain. I mean, after the 2013 season, he agreed to a four-year, $44 million deal. I mean, obviously, if, if he was a free agent now, he would get incredible dollars, and he's going to get paid eventually. But my point is, you know, he's an absolute bargain. You know, you got guys like Christian Thompson making more money than Steph Curry. You got a lot of guys out here making more money than Steph Curry. Have no business making more money than Steph Curry. But again, you got the new situation now with the with the CBA and the, the expanding cap, and and more so the expanding cap, and more so the new TV dollars and everything that now opens it up for a lot of people, opens the floodgates up for a lot of people. It's getting people maybe that don't necessarily deserve to get paid the way they're getting paid. I mean, you got guys like Tristan Thompson who probably doesn't deserve to get paid the way he's getting paid, but he's getting paid. It is what it is. The market, you are what you're worth. Well, you are what, excuse me, you are what, you're, what they're willing to pay you, and that's pretty much what you're worth. Whatever they're willing to pay you is what you're worth. That's it. Bottom line, point blank. And, and so, you know, I kind of get off, got off the topic a little bit. But you look at the Golden State Warriors, and obviously the key is health with Steph Curry. You need Steph Curry to be healthy if you want to make a, a, a nice long run and, and go where you plan on going and go where you believe you should be going, and that is ultimately to the NBA Finals. Again, 73 doesn't mean anything if it doesn't end up in a championship. So I look at the Golden State Warriors. I, I look at this basketball team, and, you know, without – I think theoretically, if, if let's just say hypothetically Steph Curry never came back in a series. I think the Golden State Warriors could win this thing in six. I think I think they can win in six if Curry doesn't come back at all. Now, obviously, if Curry comes back, automatic victory. They're the better basketball team. But I think if you're you're, you're Golden State, you got to be very very cautious. And I know Steph said he's pretty he's starting to become pretty much pain free. He's close to being pain free. But my thing is, you know, you, you got to make sure Steph is pretty much 100% because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, reality is this. You can't win a championship with Steph Curry on the mend. You're not, you can beat the Rockets, but you're not beating the Clippers who you're probably going to see next round, and you're most definitely not beating the Spurs or a OKC. You're not doing it. So the reality is you're, if you're Steve Kerr, if you're the Warriors organization, you have to be very, very, very cautious, very, very, very careful when it comes to Steph Curry, especially because of his history of ankle injuries and also because at the end of the day you can't win without him. But Houston last night had a big-time effort, got out early on Golden State. Golden State closed it there near the half, near the half made the score closer, and then ultimately they took the lead in that fourth quarter. Houston doesn't really – you know, they they tried to pretty much give that game away. You, you know, they were giving that game away at the end. But you look at the situation and you look at where Houston is, you look at where Golden State is at this point, Golden State is obviously the better basketball team. And Golden State at this point, if Steph Curry is healthy, they're obviously going to win this series. Maybe it probably could have swept this series if, if Steph Curry was healthy. But, again, if you're Golden State, you must be must be extra, extra, extra cautious when it comes to Steph Curry, because you will not 
win a championship if he is not healthy. When we come back, we're going to be joined now uh, by a guy preparing for the upcoming NFL draft, former Colorado State University, Peblo, running back Cameron McDonough will be joining us. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but I just don't see anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. That's not Rocky. (laughs) That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back. Go for it. Blogtalkradio.com. Paul Gay here talking sports. Having fun doing it. We're about to bring in a guy now preparing for the upcoming NFL Draft. NFL Draft is next week. So all the build-up, all the hype, all the everything will be done, and we'll find out where everybody is going to go. And, you know, obviously the future is going to change for a lot of people come next week, hopefully for a lot of people in a very, very good way. We're going to bring in a guy now um, who is preparing for the upcoming NFL Draft, former Colorado State University, Peblo, running back. Let's bring him in now. Cameron McDonald. Cameron. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us, Cameron. How are you? Oh, you know, I'm good. Just living life right now. <laughs> for sure, for sure. That's all you can do at this point. And, and Cameron, I want to go back to your pro day there. At the end of March, you ran a 4-6 in your 40. Overall, were you happy with the way that turned out, and were you happy with your pro day overall? I mean, you know, I feel like the uh, the numbers could have been a little different if I would have came in in a little bit better shape, but I think overall it went, you know, pretty well, you know. Okay, all right. Did, did you feel like you impressed anybody, you impressed some of the scouts there? Yeah, you know, I feel like, you know, the Broncos guy, he really liked me while he was there, and, you know, I got buzz from a few other teams from it, so. You know, I think if I could show them that off of just numbers, then let me get out there on the field. I really like it. Have you met with any teams at this point? Uh, no, just the uh, Broncos local day so far at this point. Okay, all right. So let's let's look at you, man, and, and, and some of the things you did. Obviously, back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons, which is most definitely impressive on any level. I mean, that's a lot of yards. And, and overall, what, what, what's it take? What did it take for you to – Go, do and, and get 2,000 yards in back-to-back seasons. I mean, really, it's a, it's a lot of work during the off season, and, you know, CSU Pueblo really uh, takes the time to get us very well conditioned and in that zone so that when you go out there during the season, you feel like you're in your best shape, you know, and having the guys that I had around me, great offensive linemen and stuff like that just really helps. You had a 300-yard game, man. I mean, talk about that. <laughs> 
you know say I, I know I was sore after that one, but uh, you know, just going out there having fun. I got my little brother on the team too, so you know, got to compete. Can't get outdone by the little brother. So that's really where a lot of the motivation comes from. For sure, and I look at you and your little brother. You, you got a one-two uh, punch there. You and Bernard, oh, close to thirty-seven hundred yards combined. I mean, that's big time, man. What's it like playing with your brother? Oh, I mean, you know, it's been one of those things where he's pretty much been on all of my teams since we were five, six years old. So, you know, it's like a home type of feeling out there on the field with him out there. For sure. That's, that's, that's got to be fun. That's got to be fun oh, yeah. playing with your brother. Is, is it all, I mean, how much fun? I mean, it's got to be great. That's your brother. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's competition, though. <laughs> I'm going to say, because if anybody knows him, he's a talker. So, you know, I hear from him if I do something wrong right when I come off the field. So, Sibling rivalry. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're talking to former uh, Colorado State University Pueblo running back Cameron McDonald. And, Cameron, let me ask you this now. Obviously, you know, 2,000 yards in in consecutive seasons. and, And now also 40 touchdowns in those two seasons combined. I mean, also, big time numbers. What is it about you in that end zone? <laughs> love touching the blue. You got to love touching the blue. I think anybody that watches football, or plays football, knows that that's the best one in the world, right there. Get in the end zone. For sure, for sure. You did it a bunch of times. I mean, it kind of got old for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it never gets old. Every time's like the first time. <laughs> let, let me ask you this, and, and let me ask you this. Obviously. You played on the D2 level, and, you know, it's a, it's a lower level, but at the same time you dominated the D2 level. Do you think NFL teams recognize that? I mean, you know, I hope they do, you know, but it's one of those things where I just want to, you know, get that shot out there at a team camp and show them that even with your D1 guys, I can compete. So, you know, you got to post bigger numbers coming from the lower division. Right, for sure. And, and you put up those big-time numbers. Let me ask you this now. You know, obviously the numbers are there, big time numbers. Let me ask you this: Do you do you feel like you know when you went to your pro day and, and you went through this whole process that you had to kind of do a little extra? Oh yeah, definitely, and that's sort of been one of those things that uh, the moment I debated down here at CSU Pueblo, I know you know you're committing D two. There's going to be those guys that are doubters of you just because of where you went, the competition you're playing against. So it was one of those things where I was like throughout my training, throughout the four years here, and going into this off season to try to get ready for the draft, that I've got to train five to ten times harder than all of those guys that are working out, that, you know, get that exposure every week just because, you know, you're not getting that. So you got to work harder. Right. Let me ask you, for, for those who have not seen your game, there may have been a lot of people that have not, who have not seen you play. Tell us what you bring to the table. Talk about your game. Oh, yeah. Hey, if they want to see something exciting and a guy is going to go out there and give you a show, you know, you've got to check some of those. Some of those CSU Pueblo games you should have caught it, and now, you know, hopefully some Sunday night games. For sure, for sure. I mean, obviously, if you would have caught it, you would have seen some big, big-time numbers that you put up. You also put up some – you did some things in the return game as well. Do you look to do that on the next level? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, you got to be a dual threat up there. So, you know, if I can get out there on the field, whether that's returning or at the running back position, wherever you want me to be on the field, I'm going to make something exciting happen. For sure. Let me ask you this now. You got to look at your size. I mean, obviously, people talk about your size: five seven, two hundred and two pounds. Do you see yourself as an every down back on the next level? 
oh, yeah, hey, I got the durability. You know, you can't really measure heart, so they just got to throw me out there and see what I can do. Is there a back that you compare yourself to? Uh, I mean, you know, not really like a straight-on comparison, but I do, you know, check out all those smaller backs like uh, Brandon Oliver, you know, guys like Ray Rice when he was out there putting on a show for people, you know, people like that that are just those smaller backs that show you that they can be those every time that if you need them, you know, with Ray Rice and everything. Right. And you also got guys like Maurice Jones, Drew, you know, another guy. Oh, yeah, you know, okay. That was a favorite yeah, right there. Yeah, on the small side, but who, you know, did some big things on, oh, yeah. on the NFL, in the NFL for sure. So now looking at things at this point, obviously the draft is a week away. What are you hearing in terms of what might happen for you? I mean, you know, sort of getting a lot of good feedback from teams right now. So it's one of those things where I just got to wait and be patient and just know that it's going to happen, you know. Do you look at – some of the do you look at websites, some of the draft websites periodically, or is that something you kind of stay away from? Yeah, you know my agents sort of say you know kind of stay away from stuff like that because you know you don't you don't want to get all distraught about your name not being on a list or something. You know you just got to kind of wait it out and get what you hear from him. You know and just keep working. You know put that work in. Is this the hardest process you ever been through? Is this the hardest thing you ever done? I mean, it would be the hardest if it wasn't so fun. You know, I enjoy it so. It's okay. really fun. Right. So, so it's been a lot of fun this whole journey. Oh yeah, double workouts. I mean, who doesn't like working out two times a day? <laughs> for sure, for sure. I mean, and you are most definitely. So, what is your, what does the daily schedule look like for you as you prep for the draft? Take us through from beginning to end. Uh, take us through it. I mean, so you know, I would uh, usually you got a morning workout that's usually your lift or something like that, and then later on in the day. You got a nice little running workout, and then go get some field work in. So you know it's been fun. All right, all right. So you're all ready, you're all set to go, and hopefully something good happens for you, and hopefully you stay near your phone, so maybe you'll get that great, great call from some team that's going to give you an opportunity. Oh yes, sir, and thank you. It, it, will you watch the draft anywhere special? Uh, no, you know, probably just, you know, at home around the family and everything, you know, got to watch the whole draft just to see where everybody else ends up at, you know, a lot of good running backs in this year's draft, so definitely be watching. Let me ask you this, and, and I know the rankings are the rankings, and I know scouts say, you know, what they're going to say, but where do you see yourself in terms of all the running backs in this draft? Where do you see yourself? I mean, you got to have that confidence in yourself. I think I'm the best back, you know. Right. Definitely, definitely, as you should, as you should, most oh, yeah. definitely. So, end of the day, end of the day, why should anybody, any team, give Cameron McDonald an opportunity on the next level? All right, so, as you know, I got, I got that talent to play there. So, you know, if you want to see that good stuff that everybody enjoys seeing on Sundays, Monday night, and a Thursday night, then, you know, I'm that guy. For sure, for sure. You most definitely don't lack in confidence, man, and, and that's a good thing. you got to be confident in yourself if you want to be special on the next level. I'm looking around, man. Are you on Twitter? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm on Twitter at um, CamMcDaddy30 is my Twitter name. Okay, okay, so CamMcDaddy30 on Twitter. Check this yes, man sir. out. Check out his journey <laughs> as he prepares 
for the National Football League. Before we get out of here, what 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 is that song that you listen to before you get ready to play a big game? Oh, before I get ready to play a game, it's got to be that Kanye West and Jay Z. Who's gonna stop me? You know, that's my jam okay. right there. And also, who who was your favorite team? Favorite team in the NFL? It's yeah. it's, it's a family team, the Oakland Raiders. I was sort of born into that situation, but you know, I've been in Colorado my whole life, so you know, I'm a Denver fan too. Yeah, so I'm trying to figure out. Oh, you, you can't be both. Oh, yeah, you see, that's that's always what breaks the house up because I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's not right, man. You can't be both. You got to choose one. They're rivals. They're in the same division. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I, I, I guess that's where we're gonna go. You like the Broncos. You like the Raiders. What would it mean for any of those teams to call you? What would it mean if the Broncos gave you a call? Oh, it would be huge, you know, to get to stay here, be that, you know, hometown player, have everybody that's been watching me play, you know, since I was six, seven years old, come out to uh, Sports Authority Field and just, you know, watch me play there. That'd be huge. The most definitely, that would have to be an honor. It would be a great opportunity for you. Again, fans, hit this man on Twitter at CamMcDaddy30 and support all the great things going on with Cameron McDonald. Cameron, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. I'll be looking. I'll be looking, man, and hopefully we'll see you on Sundays. All righty. Thank you. Take care. Yeah, you too. Former Colorado State University Pueblo running back Cameron McDonald. It was a pleasure talking to him. We wish him nothing but the best of luck as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. Can you believe it? It, it, All the buildup, all the talk. It's finally over. It's done. And now it's time to get on with the get on. And one thing that we learned after this week, that Goff and Carson Wentz are going to go one and two. It might be Wentz first. It might be Goff first. But it's going one and two. It might be Goff first and Wentz second. But they're going. It's going to be two quarterbacks, just like we saw last season, where you got two quarterbacks who went one and two. We're going to see that this time around this year. We're going to see – uh, whether or not, whether or not, which one goes first, whether it be Jared Goff or Carson Wentz, just like last season we had Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. Winston won first, Mariota won two. And, and we look at the quarterbacks last season, it was kind of more of a slam dunk situation with Winston and Mariota. You kind of knew that, especially with Winston, more so maybe than Mariota, but then kind of, you know, you, you did have uh, varying opinions on both of those quarterbacks. But you look at, Winston, obviously, you thought you had a franchise quarterback. Mariota, more than likely, you thought you had a franchise quarterback as well. You look at golf and you look at Wentz, you have some questions. Wentz, where he did it at on the on the you know D one double A level, wasn't the same obviously as a guy who's done it on the D one level. It's a little different. You know, the perception may be this guy he did it. He didn't do it with the big boys. He didn't do it with the big boys. But at the end of the day, there's no slam dunks. When it comes to these two guys, none. There is no slam dunks when it comes to Carson Wentz, and there's no slam dunks when it comes to Jared Goff. So obviously, you know, you got the Rams, who gave up a big, big time, big time picks, and uh, you know, big time picks to to get up and ultimately get the number one spot from the Tennessee Titans, and then you had the Philadelphia Eagles, who gave up a boatload to get up to the second spot. 
and you know, and 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 prepare them with the Browns. And so they get, here's here's my thing with that. You know, the Eagles went up to get their guy, and you got the Rams who went up to get their guy. So one and two. But here's my thing. I, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the Cleveland Browns. I know they signed RG3, but there's no guarantee RG3 can return to that RG3 that he was in his rookie season. But I know the Browns signed RG3. And I know that, you know, in the process of signing RG3, you know, the Browns may – it's a reclamation process. You know, obviously, project, I should say, maybe – It'll work out for RG3, and maybe it'll work out for the Washington Red, not the Washington Redskins, the Cleveland Browns. But I think it's, it's telling to me that, that the Browns, who you would think on some level would be in the market for a quarterback, traded out of that spot. That would be a little telling to me, not unless they have – you know, they're, man, not unless they, they like a Paxton Lynch who could be there at eight or, or any other quarterback that's out there. Maybe a Cardell Jones who they can get maybe later in this draft. But I, I, I'm just saying, you know, it's kind of telling, I think, to me, on some level that the Cleveland Browns, who, again, you would think would be in the market for a quarterback, decided to get out of that spot. Tennessee, you understand they have their quarterback. Cleveland – their quarterback is not set in stone. We don't even know if RG3 is going to be RG3. We don't know. And so that's a little telling to me. But I look at it from the Eagles' standpoint, and the Eagles, obviously they believe that one of these two guys, Goff or Wentz, they're, they're franchise-caliber quarterbacks. And obviously, you know, the, the, the reports and the talks is that the Rams want Goff. So obviously if those reports are in fact true – the Philadelphia Eagles obviously believe that, you know, obviously one of Carson Wentz and, and obviously believe that Carson Wentz will be there when they draft number two. Otherwise, they don't make the deal. They don't make the deal if they don't – if they I, – I think they have a, a good idea that the guy that they want is there, whether that's Wentz or Goff. But I believe that the guy that they want, they believe, will be there at number two. Otherwise, they don't make the trade. But here's the thing. You, you you go out, you make take this risk to get a franchise-caliber quarterback, and you realize that franchise-caliber quarterbacks win championships. There's no getting around that. We've seen it. We look at the last – we look at the four teams that were in the, the, the ch- championship games on both sides, AFC, NFC, Brady, Manning. Obviously, Peyton Manning is not the Peyton Manning we all know and love, but he is a franchise quarterback. But you have Brady, you have Manning for the AFC, and then out there in the NFC you had the Carolina Panthers with Cam, and and you also had Carson Palmer, who over the past two seasons has played franchise-caliber quarterback football, tight football. And, And so you need that guy. And obviously Sam Bradford, I don't think the you, you got Doug Peterson's a brand new coach who's coming in now, and Sam Bradford. I, I first and foremost, I don't think I would have signed him. I would have resigned him if I was the Philadelphia Eagles, especially if if this was my thinking. But and then you also signed Chase Daniel, so you got Chase Daniel there, 
you got Sam Bradford there, and now you're going to have Carson Wentz or Jared Goff there as well. Sam Bradford is not happy about this move. You know, there's reports that he might request a trade at some point in time. So you got a situation now where Sam Bradford is not happy, and, you know, maybe the Philadelphia Eagles at some point do decide to make a trade. I know according to some reports, Denver, Denver Broncos, who should be in the market for a quarterback since Mark Sanchez is their quarterback, the Denver Broncos might be interested in Sam Bradford. But, again, the reports are they may not have the cap space to get it done. And so we'll see. We'll see where Sam Bradford may land. He might stay in Philly. He might land elsewhere. He might land elsewhere, but he's not happy. But then I look at it from, I look at it and I'm saying, okay, maybe the Jets could be in the market for Bradford. I mean, at this point, they're trying to figure out what's going on with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, they still haven't come together with that. I mean, so I think obviously the the, the, the Jets could be a, a team that might have a level of interest, might. Denver, if their, if their money is right, probably has a level of interest. And then I'm just looking also around the league, and I'm not saying San Francisco as well. You know, Chip Kelly out there in San Francisco had Sam Bradford last season. We don't know what's going on with Colin Kaepernick and whether or not Cap will be there in San Francisco. I just threw out three or four teams who could be in the market for a quarterback, who could be in the market for Sam Bradford. But then I just looked at Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs, Tom. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you, you, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) Let's bring him in now. Actor and one of the stars of Barbershop 3, the next cut, actor Sean Patrick Thomas. Sean, how are you, man? I'm great, man. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, man. So, Sean, let's get right down to it. I, I'm reading your Twitter page. I know you bleed Eagle Green. And the Eagles made yes, a big I move. I mean, they, they, they traded their first, their third, uh. and their fourth in 2016. Their first uh-huh. in 2016. 2017, their second in 2018, 
for uh-huh. the number two overall pick and a fourth rounder in 2017. That means probably a quarterback, golf or Wentz. How right. are you feeling about right. this deal? They better be right. That's how I feel. You know, I mean, I feel like I like the boldness. I like that how he is willing to wheel and deal, you know, to get the job done because, I mean, that, that's exciting as a fan. But it, he better pick the right guy. That's all I got to say. <laughs> and <laughs> if, he, if he doesn't pick the right guy, that's going to put the franchise back a few years. I mean, you're, you, you're oh, yeah. giving up a lot just to get up to the number two spot. So you got to get this right. But here's, here's kind of – I don't have a problem with it, especially if they believe that either Wentz or Goff can be a franchise quarterback. My only right. thing is this. It's not like last season where you had Mariota there, you had Winston. You had guys that you – a lot of people were fairly sure about. These two guys, right. there's some questions. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Carson Wentz, like, he's got all the physical tools and he's got the measurables, but he's only really had, what, seven or eight good games, you know, in college, you know, where he was really ripping it up. And numbers aren't eye-popping. Yeah, they're not. They're not. And Goff, you know, he seems okay, but he seems like he's kind of like Matt Barkley or something like that, you know? Like, he doesn't seem like he's a world world beater, you know? It's just like... I don't know, you give up all this and you got questions like that. That that kind of scares me. I agree with you. But I but I trust uh whatchamacallit, what's the new coach? Uh Doug Peterson. Like Doug he knows Peterson. what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about with with, with the quarterbacks, I think. So you you're, and you're, the offensive you're, you're, coordinator too, Frank Reich. So you're all good with this. You're you're cool with this. You you think it's a, I, a good move. I'm good I'm good with big balls moves. I'm good with that. Okay. I am. Yeah, no doubt. I am. Yeah. But I got to say, if they stayed at, at pick number eight and picked up, let's say, Ezekiel Elliott, I think I would have liked that more. I think. Well, here's the thing. This is, this is, this is like you said, more ballsy. You know what I mean? Right. This is, this is, but, you know, you, in order to big risks, big rewards. You know what I mean? That's so, right. That's right. Maybe, maybe Howie. And those guys know something. I hope they know something. If not, I hope they know something too. Yeah, we're in and trouble. I hope they know. I hope they know who uh, who the Rams are going to pick first. I mean, if if they really want Wentz and the Rams pick Wentz, then we're stuck with Goff, or yeah. vice versa. And, and you know, yeah, it, it's 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 going to be inter- very interesting to see what the Philadelphia Eagles do. And you know, obviously, yeah. they they signed Sam Bradford. They signed right. Chase Daniel in the off season, and the thought was, well, I had a feeling they were going to draft a quarterback anyway. I didn't think they were going to, you know, go up to number two and get dra- right. draft either golf or Wentz. But I had a feeling at some point in this draft they were going to get somebody. But it, it, to me, you, you look at the deal for Bradford, you look at the deal for Chase Daniel. Uh, your thoughts on that now after making this move? I hear you. I mean. After making this move, you don't really need Bradford, do you? You just use Chase Daniel to, uh, you know, keep the seat warm until Wentz is ready. So they must really want to just yeah. win now and keep the fans engaged now and then, you know, maybe get something for Sam Bradford next year if they retain his rights. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what they do. We'll see if they make a move. Apparently, according to reports, Sam Bradford is none too happy about this oh, particular really? deal. Oh, I understand, so, but, you know, when he gets that $22 million, I think he'll feel okay. 
Yeah, for you know? sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, I think we all would be. So, yeah. I mean, and, and you would look at Sam Bradford in actuality. Has there ever been a guy in NFL history who has made so much money for doing so little? I mean, he got, he got that big not. contract with the Rams. No. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, I do think that he's a good quarterback. I do. Okay. Like, I don't. I don't. I don't think that he's like some bum. So I was okay with them sticking with him, sticking with him this year. I really was. Um, he's okay had bad luck. Yeah, I like Sam Bradford. I mean, he's had bad luck. I mean, he's had the injuries. He's been on bad teams. And you know, all those draft experts on ESPN, they all say that you can't truly evaluate a player just in a vacuum. You have to look into what coaches he was drafted into, what system, you know, what what city. There's so many factors that go into whether or not a guy ends up being good that I don't blame Sam Bradford for how things have turned out so far. I really don't. But you, so you don't, even after, you know, after a period of time, aren't you, you, you are what you are, isn't he just, I mean, is Sam Bradford any more than an average NFL quarterback? He's probably a cut above average, I would say. I, I think that he's got, you know, decent vision, a decent arm. He just doesn't scare you, that's all. And I yeah. guess they want somebody that will scare you. Yeah, I, And I guess I, I want mean, that, too. You know, I'd, I'd like to have somebody that scares the, the other team. You know, now that I think, sure. about, it, think about it. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't really want – I mean, I'm not, I wasn't against the whole Sam Bradford move, but I, I would have been happy moving forward without him. You know, I, I was okay with Chase Daniel and then possibly drafting a guy and then letting Chase Daniel – be kind of right. that bridge to that next guy. And if Chase Daniel happens to be good, then, you know, you, that's a good thing. You know what I mean? So I was, yeah. I was like, okay. but then at the same time, you do bring Bradford back. And, and then at the same time also, I, I think it keeps you fairly competitive. I'm not sure it, it wins you the division, but I think the division is winnable at this point. But it, it seems like the Eagles in a roundabout way are, are kind of, dare I say, rebuilding. Yes, yes, I would say so. But I think they're trying to, you know, do smoke and mirrors with the rebuilding, you know. Like they still right. want to win games. They still want to maybe win the NFC East, which is still pretty weak. And so, right. you know, if we, win, if we win the NFC East next year with Sam Bradford, uh, then the whole rebuilding process won't really feel like a rebuilding process, you know. True, true. And I, and I guess that's what they're going for. We'll, we'll see. The We're other talking way, to the, act. The, Go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, the other way you could play it though is is trade Bradford now to like the Broncos or something who need a quarterback. But yeah. and, and they said, I, I, I doubt to do that. Yeah, well, we'll see what what they do with Bradford. But he is mad, and maybe he'll request a trade, and, and maybe they'll trade him. It should be interesting to see how this thing plays out in the yeah, next yeah. few weeks. We're we're talking to one of the stars of Barbershop Three, the next cut actor Sean Thomas, and, and Sean, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this yes. now. Chip, Chip Kelly's gone. He's out the yes. door. Mm-hmm. You happy? You happy about it? I am happy about it. I am happy about it because the offense to me was looking very predictable all this last, this, this third season that he had. I think the whole rest of the league caught up to what he was doing, and he didn't really have any more you know, tricks in his pocket. Um, I do think he needed a running threat at quarterback to run his system, but he didn't get that guy. So we were always going to be predictable. And and from what I hear, the people around the complex didn't really like him. He wasn't really, you know, somebody who 
made people feel like they're part of the team or whatever. So, yeah, I'm glad to see him go because I feel like the, the arrow is pointing down, I think. Yeah. Do you think he'll be successful elsewhere? Chip? No, I don't. Definitely not okay. San Francisco because it sounds to me like San Francisco doesn't have any talent on the roster the way Philly did when he came to Philly. Like San Francisco yeah. is like completely depleted. And on top of that, from what I've heard and read, he doesn't talk to these grown men who are making millions of dollars like men. You yeah. know, he kind of has that college uh, approach. And, you know, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and I was very yeah. happy when they made the move to get rid of Chip Kelly. I was, I was yeah, always so was on I. the fence. I was always on the fence at the beginning of the whole thing. Even with the success, I was always on the fence. And, you know, I, I finally jumped off the fence and, Finally, you know, we we all see <laughs> what he yeah he had the power and ultimately he used that power and it, it, it sunk him basically. You it, know, it, it really it, did. It, it really did. Pretty. I mean, and and so you look at now with the Philadelphia Eagles with the possibility of Wentz, Golf, maybe Bradford, Chase Daniel. We don't know at the quarterback position coming into 2016. As a whole, are you happy? with the direction of the Philadelphia Eagles, and do you see this program trending upward? I do see it trending upward, uh, mainly because of the defense. I think we have you know, a collection of studs on defense and a great defensive coordinator. And then on offense, I think Doug Peterson knows how to build an offense. He just needs the horses, you know. And so I guess this is what this trade was about, to get his horse. And so right. if he gets his hands on Wentz and can mold this guy into a stud, then I think we got a team. I really do. I mean, the only thing we're really missing, I think, is a stud wide receiver and, yeah. and, a, and a stud running back. And outside of that, I think we're going to be okay. All right. I mean, so, I, and I, I think, you know, if, if Wentz or Golf is the guy and you find your franchise quarterback, then you're set. That's what wins champions you are set. in the NFL. Yeah. You're set. You're good. And the thing yeah. is, the last, the last time the Philadelphia Eagles – had the number two pick back in 1999. Donovan McNabb. Donovan Mc... Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yep. And we all know yep. what happened with Donovan McNabb and the Philadelphia Eagles and the success yeah. that the Eagles had with Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb. So, you know, Doug Peterson wants his guy, and maybe he'll find his guy come draft night. We're talking to one of the stars of Barbershop 3, the next cut actor, Sean Patrick Thomas. And, and, Sean, let's get the Barbershop 3, the next cut. You know, $20.2 million after the first week. Obviously, the fans still love it. How are the numbers making you feel? It, it's really, really gratifying, you know, because we started this franchise back in, what, like 2002 or something like that. And yeah. to know that it still has that type of, uh, that, that type of staying power, that, that type of relevancy with people, it, it feels really good. Um, and, and it makes us feel like we can go on it and do Barbershop 4, you know, because people want to see it. So do you think there is a market for Barbershop 4? Um, I do. I really do. Because okay. I think that as, as long as we stay faithful to the formula of, you know, tackling the, the, the taboo subjects and talking about the things that people are really talking about, then you can always do Barbershop 4. You know, I mean, you know, in a couple of years from now, there's going to be a, some – new scandals and things that you're not supposed to talk about that we can really dig into. And, you know, right. and people will always be up for that. 
So what do you think is the reason for the success of this franchise? Is it what you just said, pretty much, you guys, because you guys tackle those issues? Why is this franchise so successful? I honestly think, like, like I said before, that, you know, people like to, they like to see other people say what they're thinking. You know, like okay. people enjoy that. I think that's, I think that's part of the appeal of a, a buffoon like Donald Trump, is that he says things that people are thinking, you know? And I think right. that that's that type of thing, like, people get a rush out of that. And I think that's what Barbershop does in a lot of senses. Um, also, I think that, you know, it's, uh, the characters, you know, like, they get attached to Cedric the Entertainer, they get attached to Ice Cube, you know, like, it's, it's familiar. It's, it's like an old slipper, you know, and it feels right. good. You know, when, 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 I, when I look at Ice Cube, and, and I don't know about you, but every time I think of, of Ice Cube, I think about the NWA, I think about America's Most Wanted Ice Cube, and then mm-hmm. I see this Ice Cube and this transformation. When you look at it, you're up close and personal with it. Are you, mm-hmm. I don't know if shock is the right word, but when you see Ice Cube, who he was back in the day, and then you see the Ice Cube now, how do you react to it? Um, honestly, it, it, it doesn't really like phase me one way or the other, because I've been around him and seen him, you know, with, like, you know, his kids and stuff like that. So I've always seen him as just, like, you know, a dad. And so right. when, you know, this Barbershop 3 is really all about him and his son and, and his struggles with, you know, his connecting with, with his son and all that. So it's kind of like I don't think of him as that NWA guy. I, I never saw him that way, and he doesn't really act that way, you know. So right. It's not a weird, it's not a strange connection for me. I guess I, I guess I answer from this standpoint. I think it's when, when I think about the trans, transformation that he's he's had. I, I almost think it's cool. I was like, wow, this is this is cool how he can you know do that, do the gangster rap thing, and then turn over mm-hmm. and do the Hollywood thing, and and you know cross yeah. over and cross over and, and and look so seamless. I mean, it, it's just uh, it's, it's just great to me to see that transformation. It is. Yeah, and as, as an actor, I think this is his best work yet, to be honest with you, Barbershop 3. I mean, just really, okay. really great stuff that he's doing. He's really just, like, had all kinds of levels and colors and just was very, very, very fine acting in, in this third movie. Very impressive. As a whole, what can we expect this time around? For Barbershop 3? Yeah. Um, I think you can expect to laugh, but you can also expect to really, you know, be touched. Uh, okay. It's really got some moments in it that you're just going to be like, oh, man, and just like moments where you're going to have to stop and think and breathe and, and, and feel something uh, that, that go beyond the laughs. And I, I think that's the main, you know, uh, angle with this third one. For sure. We're talking to one of the stars of Barbershop 3, the next cut, actor Sean Patrick Thomas. So, Barbershop 3 is going on, doing some big things. What else is going on with Sean Patrick Thomas? Uh, well, right now I've been very busy working uh, with the Hillary Clinton campaign, actually. Uh, okay. For the last few months, uh, I've been uh, doing, you know, work trying to, you know, uh, as kind of like a surrogate, you know, a campaign surrogate, going out and talking to kids at, uh, at black colleges and, and visiting barbershops and, you know, speaking at rallies and stuff like that, uh, just to try and get the word out about Hillary Clinton and why I think she's the best candidate and why I support her. And uh, I've been doing that all over the country. I've done it in South Carolina, St. Louis, uh, 
Phoenix, Arizona, and then just last weekend I was in the Bronx. Okay. All right. So so what made you get down with the Hillary Clinton campaign? Why? Well, I've always been, you know, a lifelong Democrat, and okay. I'm very, very inspired and very happy with, uh, with Barack Obama and his presidency. And she's the only candidate running on either side that has shown a clear commitment and a clear desire to continue, you know, what I would consider the Obama legacy, the, the Obama agenda. And that's very important to me. Um, she's also just easily the best uh, prepared, the best qualified person running for president right now. She can step into the Oval Office on day one and hit the ground running. Like, nobody else can do that. She's probably the most qualified person to run for president in my lifetime. Um, and on top of all that, just on another separate issue, on the gun control issue, she's very, very strong on wanting to make sure there's universal background checks and and just be much more tough about who can get a gun and how they get the gun. And nobody else that's running really seems to care about this proliferation of, of gun violence, and she's really strong on that issue. So that's important to me. At the end of the day, you think she wins it all? I do. I do, because she's pretty much already clutched, uh, clinched the, uh, the Democratic nomination. And then, you know, if she's running against Donald Trump, she's just going to destroy him. I mean, when she gets up on a debate stage next to that guy, he's, he's so ignorant and clueless about anything that has to do with any substance that she's just going to destroy him. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. And, and, and to your point, I mean, I, I really haven't heard anything in terms of Donald Trump and whatever his positions are, you never really mm. get like a clear, clear answer on what his positions really, really are, what his policies really, really look like. But it, it mm. definitely should definitely should be interesting to see what happens uh, in yeah. this election. We're talking to one of the stars of Barbershop 3, the next cut actor, Sean Patrick Thomas. Will we see Save the Last Dance 2 at some point? <laughs> I'm too old for that, man. <laughs> uh, no, no, nobody's talked to me about that But uh, if, if the script was good You never know Because I'm all about a good script You think it's a market for it? Uh, you never know I mean, you can market anything If you get the right brain right. behind it you know. And, and, if it's, and if the script is good Yeah, I think anything's possible Right, okay I gotta, I gotta right. ask Julia Stiles about that <laughs> So we, we know you're doing things with the Clinton campaign. What's going on with you acting-wise other than Barbershop? Uh, right now, just, uh, you know, I've been promoting Barbershop, and, and uh, outside of that, just trying to get the next gig. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. So, so fans, fans, make sure you support this movie, Barbershop 3, the next cut in theaters now. Go out there, support it, go see this great movie, just so I'm clear. Do you have a preference in terms of whether golf, Wentz, or whatever you see fit? Do you have a preference? Yes, I want I want I want Carson Wentz. I think he's the one. Okay, he strikes me as like a, a young Big Ben, you know, with with with, with wheels. Right. So I, I would I would go with Carson Wentz. Wouldn't that be great if Carson Wentz actually turned out to be Big Ben like? I mean, that would be that would be great for all of us. It would be at least it would be you. phenomenal. Yeah, yeah no <laughs> yeah. doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, so fans again, support this man. Go out and see Barbershop Three. The next cut. Support actor Sean Patrick Thomas. The gang 
is all back, and, and it's a great, great movie. And go out and support it. It's very funny and good old time. Sean, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you great, nothing man. but Thanks the best for having of luck me. moving forward. Let's do it again, man. Let's talk about it during the uh, season. We got to talk during the season. Please. Yo, hit, hit me up. For hit sure. Me up. I always talk football. For sure. I'll hit you up. All right, man. Actor Sean Patrick Thomas joining us. Pleasure talking to Sean. Man, we had this. We had some technical difficulties there. I think. I think we got those all straightened out, taken care of, and now we're good. Back on track here. Go for it. Blog Talk Radio, talking sports, having fun doing it. But it was a pleasure talking to Sean Patrick Thomas. And uh, you know, switching while well, sticking with the NFL because we talked a lot of NFL with Sean. You have a situation now with the Washington Redskins now. Josh Norman, the franchise tag was rescinded. By the uh, by, the Carolina Panthers surprising surprised a lot of people, and now sources say that Josh Norman and the Washington Redskins may have come to an agreement, and that the Redskins will have signed Josh Norman. Now, obviously, that's a huge, huge deal for the Washington Redskins. That's a huge, huge deal for Josh Norman. I mean, obviously, he wanted to be in Carolina. He wanted to be with the Panthers. A lot of people say that he most definitely most definitely wanted to be with the Carolina Panthers, most definitely. But then, you know, obviously this situation came about. Dave Gettleman, the GM for the Carolina Panthers, said, no, no, this is not going to work. We're, we're, we're going to cut negotiations. This is, we're not going to go where you want to go financially, and we're going to go in a different direction. Now, if I'm the Carolina Panthers, I'm thinking if you're the Carolina Panthers, considering their cap space, Next season, they got a boatload. I would think they would be okay with just doing the franchise deal, keeping him around, and then moving forward after next season. I mean, I know he is 29 years old, and, you know, he's approaching that magical age of 30 where guys tend to go down. But, I mean, he had a tremendous season, obviously. And maybe the Carolina Panthers know something that we don't know. I mean, maybe they feel like, you know, Josh Norman was a byproduct of that Carolina Panther defensive front four, a a byproduct of pressure generated by the Panther front four. Maybe. Or maybe they just felt like, you know what, I'm done. We're just not going to work. It's just not going to happen, and we're going to go in a different direction. And we feel like if we do keep you on a franchise deal, that you might not be a good soldier. You you, you might be a, a divisive force in the locker room. But then you would think from the standpoint of the other team members on the other Carolina Panthers, the whole team, the team as a whole, you would think, you know what, since they are fairly close to winning a championship, and obviously they got there, they got there, you know, and, and, and almost won it. Well, not almost won it. They were really kind of got blown out. It wasn't really all that close. But, I mean, they, they were close. They were there. They, were, they were made it to the Super Bowl. And this is a team that, you know, seemingly with Cam Newton as their quarterback, have an opportunity to be, they have that opportunity to go back. They have a chance to go back. But I, I, I'm just looking at this, and I'm like, first, when I first saw it, I was like, whoa. And now I'm processing it, and I say, okay, Carolina doesn't want to give them that big-time contract. And, you know, the, the two sides were – uh, you know, far away in terms of getting it done, and the Carolina Panthers wanted to move elsewhere. 
But the Redskins now get themselves a, a good corner, a, an all-pro corner in Josh Norman. And the Redskins, you know, a, a team that won the NFCs last season. And if Kirk Cousins can continue to play the way he played last season, they have a good opportunity to win it again. A, a good opportunity to win it again. I mean, the Eagles seemingly are in transition on some level. The Giants, Eli's getting older. You know, and the Cowboys, well, they can't have a healthy quarterback. So you look at it, and it seems like it's going to work out. This could work out very well for the Redskins where they could win this division one more time. They could win the division one more time, and who knows? Who knows? But I I look at this deal, and it's shocking, first and foremost, what happened with Carolina. But it's not shocking that the Redskins got it done. It's not shocking at all because, you know what, Daniel Snyder, he likes those splash moves. And the Redskins tend to win the offseason all the time. You know, for, for, for a few years that the Redskins, everybody was saying, oh, they got this guy, that guy. Redskins won the offseason. The Redskins won the offseason, we would always say. You got Josh Norman, you got to understand this is the second contract he played his rookie. He went through his rookie deal. You know, he was the fifth-round draft pick, so he was a late-round guy, didn't make big-time money, and now this is the contract where he can get paid. This is the contract where he can really eat. And now reports are five-year, $75 million deal with the Washington Redskins. We'll see in terms of the guarantees. You know, we'll we'll find that out as the, you know, as the, more information comes out, but you know the seventy-five million. Obviously, we got to figure out the guarantees. That that's going to be the important part to figure out what, how much exactly is he going to get guarantees and, and signing bonus. We'll figure that out moving forward as the, the as the story becomes more and more clear, and as the story fifty million guaranteed. I'm hearing now, so fifty million in guarantees for Josh Norman. Fifty mil. That's a good situation, and, and I again. If there's any sport where, you know what, guys got to get paid, and, and when they have an opportunity to get paid, they just got to do it, it's football. And, again, I know guys say they want to win, but at the end of the day, you're playing football to feed your family. Your family is, is, is you have an opportunity to feed generations of, of, of family members if you can ultimately get yourself paid. So if you have an opportunity to get paid, you got to get paid. I mean, you can't let that opportunity go by or be – ridiculous and silly if you let that opportunity go by because the opportunity may not come again. And football is here today going tomorrow. The deals are not guaranteed. It's not like the NBA. You know, when you see five years, $75 million, that $75 million is coming to you. That's coming. Football, you know, you can – most of those contracts aren't even worth the piece of paper that it's on. But according to reports, I'm seeing around $50 million in guarantees for Josh Norman. Great day to be Josh Norman. The final half hour of Go For It starts now. Final half hour of Go For It starting right now. You're late with the music. Final half hour of Go For It starting right now. 
having some technical difficulties today, but we're getting them all straightened out, and we're having a good old time here talking sports, having fun doing it. If you're just joining us, Sean, Tra- Sean Patrick Thomas joined us in the first hour. Also, Cameron McDonald, uh, former running back, Colorado State University. Peblo joined us as well. And in this hour, we're going to be joined by motivational speaker, William Hollis. William Hollis was on the show uh, a couple years back. He had a great, great story. You know, and obviously a tough background. And he was able to turn around a little bit, and now he's out there, you know, motivating the masses, motivating children, motivating people, and doing huge and tremendous things in the community. We're going to talk to William Hollis about some of the huge and tremendous things he's doing in the community. But if you're just joining us, Josh Norman just got paid Friday night, money in his pocket. And so it's a good time to be Josh Norman, five years, $75 million. And according to reports, $50 million in guarantees. Woo-wee! Josh Norman is a happy man. And obviously, we know he, wants to, he probably wants to stay in Carolina. He signed it, he hired a new agent, and they got it done. And maybe this is the right move. Maybe this is the right move for the Washington Redskins. We'll see. But Josh Norman, he really, really established himself as one of the top corners in the league last season. He established himself as one of the top corners in this league. And, you know, he, he had a big-time season for the Carolina Panthers. He's one of the reasons they went to the Super Bowl last season. He's one of the reasons. So, you know, you, you add this guy now to what you already have with uh, Culliver and D'Angelo Hall. You know, now you have a, a shutdown corner, seemingly, in Josh Norman. We know last time we seen a shut uh, an alleged shutdown corner and Namdi Asenwag go to the Philadelphia Eagles he was a mess. He was an absolute mess. And so, you know, Namdi went to Philly and was awful. Awful. And so, hopefully for the Washington Redskins, Josh Norman is not Namdi Asenwag. Hopefully, if you're a Redskins fan. If you're a Redskins fan, let's let you you better hope that this guy is in fact a shutdown corner. Because we were talking about Namdi and, and Revis in the same category many moons ago. You know, we were saying Namdi and, and and Darrell Revis were in the same category. And then Namdi came over to Philly, you know, I'm an Eagles guy. I mean, and first and foremost, I wasn't the guy that was ultra excited because I don't think we necessarily needed a corner. But Nadi came to Philly, and two seasons with Philly, he was, he was not as advertised. He was not as advertised. He was not Revis. He was not Richard Sherman-like. He was not a shutdown corner. May have been that in Oakland, but he most definitely was not that in Philly. So you wonder if Josh Norman will be the same. We'll see. Should be interesting. I know the Redskins get after a the quarterback. They get pressure on the quarterback. That helps. That most definitely helps uh, uh, Josh Norman. And, and that most definitely helps. You know, his, you, that helps any corner. If your guys are getting pressure, 
That helps. That most definitely helps. So if, if the Redskins can can get after the quarterback, you know, obviously that makes Josh Norman's job a lot easier. But it, it's it's an interesting move. It was a big time move, and now Josh Norman is with the Washington Redskins. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. That's that Robbie. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> okay. If you hey, what up? That. It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. And we're back talking sports and having fun doing it. Go for it here. We're probably bringing a guy now who we had on the show a couple a couple years ago. We had William Hollis on the show. Um, this is a man who had a tough background, you know, went through a lot of diverse, adversity to get where he's at today. And you know, right now he's in a good spot. He's out there motivating the masses, talking to the kids, talking to the people, and telling his story, giving back to his community. And that's a great, great thing. He's been through some a, a lot of things as a kid and also as an adult, but he's still standing. So let's bring him in now, motivational speaker, William Hollis. William. How are you guys? How are you, Mr. Garrett? Good. Yourself? I'm, I'm, I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed, man. Enjoying Pleasure. life now, man. Enjoying life. Pleasure talking to you, man. And, you know, last time we spoke, last time we spoke, you know, you, you were trying to make a, a run at the National Football League. What yes. happened there? What happened there? Well, honestly, man, when when, um, when I had uh, basically uh, went out to Tuskegee, they had um, denied me to do my pro day. Um, so, basically, they forced me to go to um, – I went – I had to go to an arena team to even get filmed or even get looked at because one of the coaches at Tuskegee had basically basically just denied me to um try out for um for the in front of the scouts, man. I had a few had a, a quite a few scouts out there ready to see me um run and put my numbers up and they just honestly denied me. So I had to ultimately end up signing with an arena team with like seven games left in the season. You know what I mean? In a, in, in the mm-hmm. college season because the coach Basically blackballed me, man. He said he wasn't going to play me. He felt like I was a thug. He felt like my family was – I come from thugs. And he basically, you know, he basically blackballed me. But um, I, I, I would go on and, and play very well. 
in Columbus with the Columbus Lions uh, in the, out of the PIFL Arena Football League. And um, I had a great crew. I had, a, like I said, I was having a great season. And um, I actually um, went through a breakup during in the middle of that season, where I was um, basically, man, I was I was sick mentally, man. I I, I um I buried my mom, man. It was so much going on, man, and, and and life was just. I just got hit with a lot of the young guys, man, and, and basically, man, I I just I had a meltdown, man, and uh, the coach released me. I went back to my sister's house, started sleeping on the couch. And um, basically got a call from a trainer out of Toronto to go over there and train. I worked my way back in shape, um, came back over to the States. Um, team, the, the teams that I was coming to play for had basically folded before I even got over there. So I ended up homeless again. And then I was ended up waiting on uh, another team uh, by the name of the Georgia Fire that um, brung me down and – this time they had promised me, you know, housing and, and, and basically a situation to live. At this point, I'm just surviving. And he, they offered me, you know, they're giving me ramen noodles. They're giving me, uh, you know, terrible food to eat, man. And I have high blood pressure. And I had a mini stroke two weeks before the first game down there. And they ultimately ended up releasing me, man. They released me and um, after the first game. And I basically got my own Greyhound ticket for a tryout in Trenton, New Jersey, with the Trenton Freedom um, out of New Jersey. And um, I went down there, man, and the first game I had 2.5 sacks. Um, the following game was Mother's Day. I ended up having, breaking the, the, the um, single-game sack record for the league. The league record was 4.5 sacks in one game, and this was on Mother's Day. And um, I would finish the season strong, man. The coaches were basically um, – the coaches uh, they basically helped me out as much as they could. And at the end of the season, it came time for the players to go home. At the end of the season, the arena players go home. And um, I ended up um, basically going out in, uh, to Dover, Delaware, man. And um, I was uh, sleeping on the side of a turkey hill, man. I went out there, and I basically was just surviving, man. I, I, um, I, was, I would work out every day, and I would notice that I would have this um, – basically uh, my whole right leg would go out on me, man, when I do explosion drills like power clean, stuff like that, when I hit the bag. It's like my 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 right leg would go numb, man. Sometimes my left, sometimes my whole right arm. It was just it, it was terrible, and I found out I had an L L one L two uh, vertebrae crack, and um, I basically man um uh, hit rock bottom from there, man. I was homeless, and I was putting suicidal uh, messages up on Facebook, man. I was just ready to end it all, man. And a coach named Bernie Nortowski stepped in my life. And um, he only knew me for breaking the sack record on Mother's Day against him, and he brought me down uh, to coach the ASI Panthers. I was the youngest coach in the league, and I was coaching. And one day they said, Will, how would you like to volunteer at a school? I said, I would love to. I went up there. Within 30 minutes, I had kids in tears. Um, a week later, I was doing four assemblies in one day, and another a week after that, I was at St. Joseph Hospital speaking to a college nurses, and then I was in Portland, Maine, doing the same thing. So it basically, man, God basically um, changed my whole direction. He, he changed my whole direction of life, man. He showed me my true calling, and, and there's no, I have no better feeling in the world than doing what I do today, man. That's inspiring many, many young uh, kings and queens across the globe, man, and, and that's what I live for, man. As I would speak, I would basically I would find myself healing, you know, from the process of losing my mom, uh, from football not working out, from all the life, different life problems that I was stuck with. 
Um, God um, left my he left my gift. Like I say, man, I tell people, uh, God leaves your gift at the bottom of the stairs, man. And it's up to you to climb those stairs and show the world your gift, man. And that's what he did, man. He left a, a former special education student, couldn't read till he was 16 years old. And he gave me a job, man, that's going to take care of me, uh, my daughter, and I'm going to be able to give back to a lot of people in, in, in my life, man. So I'm only 26, man. I'm just getting started, man. For sure. And, and you know, obviously, and, and here's the thing. I, I remember last time talking to you, and I was kind of thinking that exact thing in terms of what your true journey might be. Your true journey, my, I was thinking at the time, your true journey could be exactly what you're kind of doing now. Which yeah, is, you, you know, did. Speaking, you did. You did. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, speaking to everybody, telling your story, and helping others. I mean, and, and now you've, you've, you've kind of, it, it turned out that way. You know what I mean? That now... That's pretty much what you're doing at this point in your life. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you, you've been through a lot. You, you've been through a lot, and, and now you're at this yeah. point where, you know, your, your, your football is done, and now you're focusing on being the motivational speaker. And, and you got some big news now. I mean, you, you, you plan on moving elsewhere to, to continue on with your journey. Yeah, man, I had um, I got a whole team, man, out of Arizona, man. They heard me speak on the internet one time. I had this big uh, motivational video that actually on YouTube that went viral, and um, it really, really helped me out a lot, man. It, it, I'm I'm not like Eric Thomas type speaker. I'm really like uh, I. I uh, like I said, man, I I I so dope. I did all that stuff, man, while playing football, and. I learned a special gift, man. That's living inside my head, man, in some of the worst times and situations. So what I do is, man, I basically reprogram the youth's thought process. And I basically, it's like, I call it a negative thought process. I call it an ant. It's a negative thought process. And what I get the kids to do, I get them to squish that ant, man. That's what you do to ants, you squish it. And I I motivate them, man. I just reprogram their brain. And when they look at me, they see themselves. You know what I mean? It's, it's no different mm-hmm. because they see themselves. And I'm young and I'm youthful, and I still listen to the same music they listen to. I'm still I'm still there. And they basically, they just feel me, man. Kids just feel me, man. The day I spoke in front of a, 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 a Catholic, I mean, a um, gymnasium of at least 800, 900 students, and I had standing ovations before I even finished the speech, man. And that's what—that's the beauty of this gift that I'm that, I, that God blessed me with right now, man. Because I had no idea that I could ever do something like this or what I'm doing, and make a living doing it. So, man, it's a, it's basically like a—it's it's a perfect match. It's a perfect marriage, man. Me and motivational speaking is a perfect marriage, man. And, and I and I am getting blessed abundantly, man. I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to move out to Arizona uh, tomorrow. And I'm going to start my new life, man. I'm going to, uh, you know, work on, you know, fine-tuning my uh, my speaking skills. And, you know, we always got to get better in life and everything we do, sure. we got to get better. And um, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to work my butt off, man, just like I worked on the football field. I'm going to work my butt off to get better as a speaker, um, you know, work on my delivery, work on, you know, um, uh, my body language, you know, get everything. I want everything to be top of the line and really good. So I'm going to put the work in down in Arizona and, um once once I'm done with that, man, I'm a, I'm gonna come out in a major way, man, and that's that's my plan. And I'm getting ready to um I'm putting together a book as we speak, man. So all right, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. We're talking to motivational speaker William Howell. So is, is Arizona where you, you you plan on being there permanently, or is that a spot where you're gonna? 
try to, you know, get a little better and then head it back out, or you just plan on staying in Arizona? Honestly, man, I I really like. <laughs> I just go, man. You you know my story, Paul. You know I've been on the go since I was like fourteen years old. So right. I I just go with the feeling, man. I, I'm gonna go down there and I'm gonna work just as hard as I ever worked anywhere else. And if that's what God says, He fits to want me to stay. That's where I stay. But my ultimate goal is to get back. I want to get down to. Um, I want to live in Alabama, man. I want to. I want to get a nice little. Um, get some nice land, man. And cause I love the South, man. There's something about it. The uh, homey feeling you get down there, man, the love uh, that you feel down there. But um, Arizona is a place where I can, I can, I can eventually end up living there. But um, if I had to pick a place to stay, stay, it would definitely be Alabama. But if Arizona becomes beautiful for me and obviously the career takes off as fast as I, I, I mean, as good as I expect it to do, um, I'll probably be out in Arizona for a little while. All right. All right. <laughs> so, Yes, sir. Let me ask you this: Do you miss football? Um, honestly, the, the truth is, man, I um, that fire really burnt out the day I buried my mother, man, because I was fueled okay. my whole life. I was fueled my whole life, man, by my mother, man. I just wanted to take care of her. I said, "Well, it's the fastest way you can get this money," and that's um, that's through football. And unfortunately, in the, in the hood. That's what we. That's what we use. That's our. That's our business plan, man. That's our blueprint. So basically, man, when I lost her, I just man, the, the fire was never there. I, I still play really good football, but the fire wasn't really there. And um, honestly, man, I enjoy going out speaking and <laughs> not banging up my body. <laughs> and and and, um, and what and what I learned is, you know, being around a lot of entrepreneurs, man, I learned that. Um, you know, them, them big rich entrepreneurs, they look at the game of football and basketball as pure entertainment. Just like back in the day, they looked at gladiators. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're a piece of meat. And you're running around. You're throwing your body around. But when, when, I, when I started really learning, you know, life lessons, and I really started learning, um, you know, the value of knowledge and the value of your brain and how special it is to use your brain to create revenue for yourself. And I absolutely, I fell in love with it, man. Just like I fell in love with football when I first stepped on the field. I fell in love with entrepreneurship. I fell in love with mingling with different people because I'm a people's person. I love it. And I just love building something. I love creating something in my mind and bringing it to life. There's nothing more beautiful than that, man. And honestly, I feel like um, the best times of my life are ahead of me, man, to be honest with you. Yeah. We're, we're talking to motivational speaker William Hollis, and, and William, you were you're you're in the Reading area at this point, and yeah. you're doing some big things out there as well. I mean, uh, I, I see here uh, around Christmas you did something for the homeless. You had a Christmas um, dinner for the homeless. Talk about that. Yes, man. Uh, actually, that was the same hotel that let me sleep in there for free, man. When I was when I was down here in Reading. The the owner of the hotel, Mr. Schumann, they they let me stay in the hotel for free. And once I started getting up um, in my speaking career, I started to I decided to throw a, a Christmas Eve party for the homeless, and not the regular the way you feed the homeless. You know, you take them outside and you feed them. And in the cold, we brought them inside, man. We got them tables. It was top of the line, coffee, tea, everything. We had, you know, we treated them like royalty, man. And I just wanted them um, also set up a free haircuts for the barbershop. And okay. they, um, 
Yeah, man, I just I just wanted to make them feel. I, I knew the feeling of being homeless on a holiday by yourself, and I and 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 being homeless was the best thing that ever happened to me because man, it, it opened it opened my heart up to so many so much so many things, man, and um, it makes you think about other people. When you ride past them, it makes you regret riding past them because you lived it and you've seen it and you know what they're going through mentally. So if I could if I could um, be a um, a vessel from God to basically be able to give them food and share and, and, and a nice nice holiday dinner that they probably ain't had in years. Um, I believe that was better than money, man. That was that was absolutely a beautiful event, man. So moving forward, obviously, you know, you want to do big things in the motivational speaking world. Where where, where do you see yourself five, ten years from now? I, I see myself as the number one youth speaker in the world. I'll be the number one youth speaker in the world, and I um I also I also see myself as a um a football coach, either at the high school the high school level. I want to I want to coach kids. I want to do everything that coordinates with motivating young young men, and um bringing them you know bringing them to the to the light as they say, man. That, that's what I want to do, man. I want to work with young men, and 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 the only reason I say I want to do this so much, man, is because basically I'm doing what I wanted a, a man to do with me as a kid. And that's basically what I'm being to these inner city kids. And this is my life, man. I dedicate my whole life to it. I put my soul into it. This is what I want to do. And um, sure. the same hunger I had as a football player, I applied it to the speaking world. And I'm always getting better. I'm always working. I'm always inspiring. And um, it's it's definitely a gift, man. It's really like I tell you, once I say, once you once you're doing what you love, you you would never you never once you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. So that's what I'm doing right now, man. I'm not even working, man. I'm I'm blessed to step on right. that 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 um, platform every other week or every two days to to bless somebody with motivation. So what was what's the next speaking engagement? What's the next one? Uh, my actually, I just did my last one here in Reading. Um, April, May in May, um, I have a youth summit in Australia. Okay. Yes, wow. sir. That's huge. Yes, sir. That's huge. Yes, sir. Oh yeah, Mr. Gary, I definitely, you definitely hit it on the head a few years ago, big guy. You told me you're like you might have a, a future and a few other things, man. Just keep, just keep at it, man. And I want you to know, Mr. Gant, man, what you did for me at that time, man, as, as, as a broken kid, man. What you do with us athletes. How you make us feel? You treat us like we somebody, even if we're not in the NFL yet. You treat us like somebody, and I want you to know, man. Them interviews and them opportunities you give us save some of our lives, man. And I just wanted to thank you. I never had an opportunity to really just thank you, man. I want to thank you for that, man, because you 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 gave me hope with them interviews. You made me feel like I was somebody, and that gave me that extra push to keep going in everything I did in life, man. And Mr. Gann, I just want to thank you, man, from the bottom of my heart, man, for what you no do. Problem, you do great no things, man. You do great things. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. So, so fans, make sure you hit this man on on Twitter at the speaker underscore ninety two. That is at the speaker underscore ninety two. You're gonna have a website up soon. I do. I have an about me page, but I'm about to get a whole website website design. I got an about me page with everything on it, and they also can add me on I am William I am William Hollis on Instagram. I am William Hollis on Instagram, and also have a fan page uh, on uh, Facebook. It's a very popular fan page. It's growing crazy right now, and uh, yeah, just William Hollis on Facebook, 
and Instagram. I am William Hollis. And my um, all you gotta do is for my website, just go to About Me. Type Google About Me William Hollis. About Me William Hollis, and it'll pop up. My web page will pop up. So fans, support all the great things going on with William Hollis. He's doing some big time things in the community. The best is yet to come for William Hollis. William, appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thanks for stopping Thank by. You. Uh, wish Thank you, you nothing but the best of luck, and we got to do this again. Absolutely, man. Thank you, Mr. Gek. You're being great, man. Thank you. Likewise. Take care. Yes, sir. Motivational speaker, William Hollis. He has a tremendous story, man. And, and it's, it's, I mean, we got into it last time real deep, you know, in terms of it, being homeless as a child, then again being homeless as an adult. It, it was, it, it's been a rough, rough life for William Hollis, but slowly and surely he's getting it right and he, he, he's, you know, put smiles on people's faces and helped make life better for a lot of people. And that's really when it's all said and done. That's why you're put on this earth, not for your own selfish gain, but you're put on this earth to help others. And when truly, in fact, you find that thing that you were put on this earth to do, you truly, truly be happy. You'll be able to help many people. And that's what William Hollis is doing right now. Helping many people. Jake Arietta. I mean, we we look at Jake Arietta, and, and and the guy, you know, a no hitter last night, second no hitter. I mean, this guy, you know, he's been off the charts in terms of just throwing the baseball. In terms of just, it's, it's been ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, right now. I mean, this dude four zero at this point, won the Cy Young last year. Probably, well, not probably. If he continues on this journey, he's going to win the Cy Young again. And this is a guy three years ago with the Baltimore Orioles that, you know, the Orioles pretty much were were done with him, pretty much gave up on him. And now he's got to change the scenery, and he's in Chicago, and he's doing some big, big things. I mean, not little things. We're talking big things. We're talking, you know, 21 in his last 24 starts type things. We're talking those type things. I mean, they're, they're just crazy, crazy, crazy things. Ridiculous things. And this dude has been on a, a, a huge, huge surge. I mean, ridiculous. 24 consecutive quality starts. Crazy. 15-0 and 0 in his last 16 starts since October 1. Ridiculous numbers, off the charts type numbers. I mean, it's just crazy the way this man is throwing the baseball. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Wow. That's. I mean, that's all you can say when when you're when you're watching Jake Arrieta. All you can say is wow. It's crazy. And, and this guy is, is just tremendous. And he had his last second no-hitter in, what, the last, what? Well, near the end of last season, October 30th, he had a no-hitter. And now he had this one. So, I mean, it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy what the type of numbers Jake Arrieta is putting up right now. It's ridiculous, man. And, you know, he obviously, like I said, if he continues down this road, he is going to win this Cy Young 
one more again. He's going to win it again. I mean, it's crazy to what, what this guy is doing. And right now, the Cubs are playing some big-time baseball. And right now, Jake Arrieta, it's having some play. It's a out-of-sight type, pitching out of his mind. And when you talk about Bob Gibson, 1968, you know, where he finished with a 1.12 ERA. When you, when you start talking about Arietta and, and start talking about Bob Gibson in the same sentence, in the same breath, you know you're doing something if you're Jake Arietta. I mean, Bob Gibson never had 24, you know, big-time starts, 24 starts, whereas ERA was low as Jake Arietta. I mean, Bob Gibson during that 1968 season, that big-time 1968 season, his ERA was at 0.90. Arietta, conversely, was at 0.86. So when you're talking about Arietta and, and Bob Gibson in the same sentence, you know a guy is doing something big. You know somebody's doing something big, and Jake Arrieta is doing it big. I want to thank motivational speaker William Howes for joining us. I also want to thank actor Sean uh, Thomas for joining us, and also want to thank motivational speaker William Howes and also uh, running back, former running back for Colorado State, Pablo uh, Cameron McDonald for joining us. You can listen to this show. And other great shows, blog, talkradio.com slash PKN, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at go for again. I said Sean Thomas, actually Sean Patrick Thomas. But follow us on Twitter at go for again. Also hit us up on our Facebook page. Like us on Facebook at Paul Gant, go for again. And also hit us up on our YouTube channel where you can hear some great, great interviews at youtube.com slash Go for it again. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care.